Good evening, church. Yeah. My name is Mada. Madaliso, that is in my local language, Chichewa. Madaliso means blessings. Mada means bless. <laughs> okay. Uh, I thank the administration of this church for giving me this opportunity to stand before you and share the word of God with you. Uh, today, our sermon is coming from the book of Gracias, Gracias chapter 5, verse 22 to 23, and uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 1 to 11. So let's turn our Bibles to Gracias chapter 5, verse 22 to 23. Uh, those of you who are using the Bibles on a queue, it's page 975 for Gracias and page 980 for Philippians. Gracias chapter 5. Verse 22 to 23, I believe all of us were there. And here is the reading of God's word. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such things, there is no law. And let's go to Philippians, Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. Verse 1 up to 11. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of grace both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Amen. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for this wonderful evening you have given us. An opportunity to be here. It is great, O oh Lord, for your children to gather together and listen to our word. We pray that you would be with us and help us to understand what you want to communicate to us. Teach us, reprove us, correct us, and instruct us, O oh Father, 
so that we may be perfect and thoroughly furnished unto all good works for your own glory. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. We are continuing in our series of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Last time we heard that as Christians we are no longer walk by the flesh, but in the Spirit who dwells in us. We are all live in Christ, since Christ lives in us. Therefore, we are commanded to walk by the Spirit and not gratify the freshest desire. This cannot be done according to our own effort, for there is nothing in us apart from the sinfulness we have and even the rebellious against the God who saved us. One of the writers, Kevin, says, if there be any one drop of goodness in us, the same is not for our own growing. Neither can challenge the praise of it without doing wrong and injury unto God. Therefore, it is possible for us to walk by the Spirit, by God's grace alone. And the Holy Spirit is the one who enables us to bear the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness and gentleness and self-control in our hearts and manifest it to the congregation or even to the world as we have read in Gracious chapter 5, verse 23 to 22. Last week, we heard about the first fruit of the Holy Spirit, which Sandra, who preached, says that we manifest the fruit of love due to the Holy Spirit who works in us. This love is a gift from God through Jesus Christ and is applied to us by the Holy Spirit. God is the one who saved us and God is the one who first loved us. And the same will reflect to other brethren in this church or to the world. Today, we are going to look on the second fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is the fruit of joy. The fruit of joy. And we're going to base much on the book of Philippians, which you have well read, when you are articulating this fruit of joy. And most of the theologians called the letter of joy to the saints in Philippi. So the question might be asked, what is joy? What is joy? So, joy means gladness and happiness. But the book of Philippians will help us to understand how the Bible defines joy. So, why this book of Philippians is going to help us to understand the biblical meaning of joy? There are two reasons which I need to expound here. One of them is the author himself of this book of Philippians. This book of Philippians is authored by Paul, who believed that he wrote this book while in prison. And we can imagine what prison is all about. There's always loneliness, and the prisoner is chained. There's no choice of food to eat. And even sometimes the prisoner does not know the next event of his life, whether to die or to live. The same applies to the condition which Paul was. In another way, we can say that Paul was not really happy physically when he was in prison. Despite his suffering, his persecution, denial, and waiting trial under Caesar, Paul 
was still filled with joy in his heart. As he says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 17 to 18, that even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. This implies that Paul was ready to die with joy for the sake of the gospel. So, the second reason is that the recipients themselves, the church at Philippi. The church at Philippi was born when Paul and his colleagues visited Philippi and preached the word of God, the gospel, there. And once some of the converts which the Bible highlighted, the first one was Lydia, a businesswoman, and then later, a Philippian jailer. We read this in Acts chapter 16, verse 11 to 40. And Paul addressed this church as the saints in Philippi. But however, Paul addressed them as the saints at Philippi. This church was meeting a lot of opposition in its ministry for the sake of Christ. Some of the challenges the church of Philippi was meeting were that they were hated, persecuted, and sometimes have difficulty of life. And we read this in Philippians chapter 1, verse 27 to 30. And also they had pressure from false teachings. Some Jewish teachers were teaching the wrong doctrines about salvation by works. They were telling them that you are not really saved. You will be saved when you are circumcised, which means that they had conflict in their belief of the gospel. The last reason is that in the church of Philippi, there are some believers who had long thoughts about one another. And this brought conflicts within the church and undermined its ministry, which this, all this implies that this church was not really in a happy state. They were frustrated and they were not happy because even their leader, Paul, was in prison and there was conflict in the church and they were meeting opposition from other Judaizers who were there teaching them the false gospel. Despite all this, Paul was challenging them and encouraging them that you need to be rejoice always. And I say to you, rejoice. As we read in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Paul used the word rejoice and joy in this book of Philippians 14 times. All because this is the fruit of the Holy Spirit and it belongs to the Christians only. In this book of Philippians, when you go to Philippians chapter 3, verse 1, it says that, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write these same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Therefore, how are going to define this joy? According to the Bible, biblical joy is the gladness of the heart, not depending on circumstances. Gladness of the heart, not depending on circumstances. And this is important to us because the joy of our Lord Jesus Christ produced by the Holy Spirit enables believers to live a faithful and contented life in Him despite the worldly challenges or circumstances we are meeting. And 
based on that background, today we are going to base our sermon on three points. The source of joy, the anchor of joy, and the effects of joy. The source of joy. As we have read in chapter 1, verse 1 to 5, I'll read again. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you are all making my prayer with joy, because your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Here we can see that Paul is calling himself a servant of Christ. And he's addressing his letter to the church of Philippians, whom he is calling the saints in Christ and the partners, his partners in the gospel by God's grace. So, which means that everything which Paul was writing here was revolving Christ Jesus who started it because he was a servant of Christ and was writing to the church of Philippi, which he called the saints in Christ. Though I was union in Christ there. And to understand more about this source of Christ, it's good also to look on the difference between joy and happiness. So, we might say, what is happiness? Happiness is emotional feeling based on the present circumstances we experienced in our lives. We feel happy when our team wins. We feel happy when we receive a gift. We feel happy when we get married, have children, or listen to the song which we love most. All this depends on the outside circumstances. Let's take a look on what happened to Saul. Saul was very rich, King Saul, I mean. Was very rich. And most of the times, he was feeling happy when David was playing a harp for him. And when David stopped playing that harp, he became sad again, frustrated, and he looks miserable. Which means that although he was surrounded by riches and everything, he was not a person of joy. All those were not giving him happiness. This was contrary with David, who was living in the field, taking care of the sheep and animals, but he was a happy person. He was a joyful person because he had God to him. So, as we already say, biblical joy is the gladness of a heart, not depending on circumstances. Therefore, joy is a spiritual gift. It does not depend on our feelings or achievements or success. It is produced by the Holy Spirit within our hearts or in the hearts of the believers. In another way, the world cannot give us joy. Or our parents, our friends, our marriages, children, the desires of the flesh which we always want to satisfy cannot give us joy. It's only God who can give us joy. Because everything which has surrounded us has been corrupted by sin. Galatians chapter 5, which you have read, 
verse 22 to 23, it says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, etc. This means that joy is not man-made. It is the fruit of the Spirit. It is the character of the kingdom of God in Christ Jesus through the work of the Holy Spirit. And we read this in Romans chapter 14, verse 17 to 18, that for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but a righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Peace and joy in the Holy Spirit, not in the matter of eating and drinking. So, should we say that when we are drinking coffee in the room, it's true. we don't have joy? Coffee is good. And all those, they're always coming because God has already given us joy. So we fellowship and laugh to one another. So coffee should continue. Uh, apart from Christ, what we need to know is that there is no joy. And this joy belongs to Christians only. As we read in Philippians chapter 1, verse 1, that when Paul says that, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons. And then he says that, I'm always remembering you, and then I pray with you with joy. Why? They are the saints in Christ. So joy only comes from Christ Jesus. That one is our source of joy. And because Christ is our source of joy, and we are in Christ, we have been united with him. Paul, in chapter 4, verse 1, he was calling this church of Philippi, the saints in Philippi, that they were uh, his joy and his crown. His joy and his crown. So, we know for sure that, so we are saying he was writing to the saints in Philippi. Who are the saints? Am I the saints or not? Maybe joy is not for me because I'm not the saints. That question might be asked. So who is the saints? A saint is the one whom God has set apart. Not because he has done good deeds or doing something good, but because God, by his grace and mercy, has declared him righteous in Christ Jesus. That is what made Paul to refer to this church of free by the saints. And he referred them with joy. Because it's only Christ who has made them to be saints. And God has declared them righteous by grace. In Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, it says that, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, or caught the fool of a donkey. My brothers and sisters in Christ, let us rejoice in Christ. Our king has come. He humbled himself and lived a perfect life on this earth on our behalf. He died and was resurrected on the third day and defeated his sin and brought salvation for us. So we need to sing this song that we should delight and rejoice greatly or we 
daughters of Zion. Our joy is the salvation we have received in Christ. What Christ has done for us should give us joy. Jesus Christ, in Luke chapter 10, verse 20, when the disciples of rejoicing coming, said that the demons have been subdued to them, he told them that they should not rejoice that the spirits have subjected to them, but they should rejoice that their names are written in heaven. The people of God, what is it that gives us joy in this church? Is it because of the position we have? Is it because we always have good music? Is it because we are a number of us or because of the friendship we have? No. It is because of the salvation we have received. All this salvation then, they resulted to have this good music, the friendship, and many people coming to us. So the joy we have is based on what Christ has done. He's the source of our salvation. Martin Luther says, Where this joy of the Spirit is, there's heart in our delay. Rejoices through the faith in Christ with full assurance that he is our Savior and our Bishop. Martin Luther, before he became a monk, he wanted to be a saint and see a saint. He afflicted himself, repenting each and every, every day. He was fasting, living a certain life, and abstaining from different types of food. But all this did not make him a saint, neither brought him joy, but continued living a miserable life and cursing himself until God, through, work of the, through the work of the Holy Spirit, regenerated his heart and opened his eyes and saw Romans chapter 1, verse 17, and then said, The lashes shall live by faith. Then when Martin Luther saw this, he confessed that, But now... In the light of the gospel, we plainly see who they are, whom Christ and his people and his apostles called saints. Not they who live a single life or observe death, misparo, and such other things, or in outward appearance do other great works. But they which believe that they are sanctified and cleansed by the death and blood of Christ. So Paul Everywhere he calls them holy, the children and heirs of God. Whosoever then believes in Christ, whether he or she is a man or a woman, born or free, is a saint, not by his own works, but by the works of God. With great rejoicing, I give thanks to God that he has abundantly and above measure granted unto me that which is I so earnestly desired of him when I was a monk. For he has given me the grace to see not one, but many saints. Yes, an infinite number of true saints. Not such as the schoolmen have devised, but such as Christ himself and his apostles described, of which number I also, by the grace of God, am one. For I am baptized, and I do believe that Christ my Lord, by his death, had redeemed and delivered me from all my sins, 
and has given to me eternal righteousness and holiness. This joy is a redemptive joy and belongs to believers for the source of their joy is Christ Jesus, who is the hope of glory in us. This is taking us to our second point, which is the anchor of joy. The anchor of joy. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 to 8, we read that, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, for God is my witness. How I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. This is Paul writing to the church in Philippi. He says that, who began a good work in you will put it in completion. That's their hope. That's their anchor. The anchor of joy is that the good work that God has begun in us through Jesus Christ will bring it to completion. God is the author of our faith and the one who is finishing it. That is what Paul put all his hope. The joy he has for them, for the church in Philippi, was not because he was receiving support from them, was not because this church of Philippi was suffering when preaching the gospel, was not because they were doing good things, but because of God who was working in them. And it's by his grace alone, for they were partakers with Paul in his grace, in God's grace. Their hope and confidence were in the grace of God and the gospel they received. That was the anchor of their joy. That is the anchor of our joy. That is the anchor of your joy, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom who have started a good work in you, put it into completion. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 to 21, the Bible says that, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a, a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our Lord's body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Brothers and sisters, whatever is happening around us or has happened should not determine our joy. Our joy should be determined of what Christ has done for us. For Christ has done it all. And our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await our Savior, who will transform our Lord's bodies to be like his glorious body. This hope should be the anchor of our joy always. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19 to 20, we read that we have this and assure us a steadfast anchor of the soul, hope, and that enters into the inner place behind the curtain, where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Brothers and sisters, Christ is our forerunner. Wherever we go, he has already passed through it. The way we are passing, Jesus has already passed. Through it, 
and he is our high priest forever. He is always with us, and he lives to intercede for us. He taught us everything from the Father, that our hope should be complete, that our joy should be full. God does not lie or change his mind. We are secured in him, and we need to rejoice in him always. He is the one who works in us, both to will and for his own good pleasure, as we read in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. We need to remember that the joy of the Lord is our strength. That is the anchor. That is our strength. He who has begun a good work in you, in us, will put it into completion. That, the, that should give us strength always. And this takes us to our third point, which is the effects of our joy. The effects of our joy. We read in uh, verse 9 to 11, which says that, And it is my prayer that our love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So here, Paul is praying for this church that they should be in love. They should remain in love. That was the effect of their joy. We already read that. Paul was praying this prayer with joy. And he's praying them that, I want you to be in love. And this love should be filled with righteousness that comes from Christ Jesus and only for the glory of God. And he addressed them that they were partakers in him, in grace and in the ministry, in the gospel. So the fellowship between Paul and the church at Philippi was Christ-centered fellowship. The fellowship was founded on the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. It was a fellowship by God's grace only. Hence, this affected them and had effect of the fruit of joy, which is love upon their fellow believers. Which means that the joy of the Lord leads us to be selfless. So, that's the effect of joy. We are always contented in Christ and then we show love to others. As well, I have already said that Paul specifically prays for more love. Love with the knowledge and discernment. Love is the greatest virtue in the Bible. The Bible commands us to love others. As we read in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, it says that, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. So Paul prayed earnestly for them to love one another because they are born of God and love comes from God. We need to remember that they are in conflicts in this church of Philippi and they are hearing false teachings and there was persecution among them and there was even conflict among themselves. But Paul was encouraging them that they don't need to live like that. If they have got joy in Christ, they need to love one another. They need to support one 
another. They need to delight in Christ. And that delight, that joy should turn to love their fellow brothers. Their love should be filled with righteousness that comes from the Father, that comes from Christ himself to his own glory. This is Christ's love, the agape love, which looks upon the interest of others. This is the love that desires to serve others regardless of their status, weaknesses, or strength. This is sacrificial love. God loved us and gave us his son to down the cross of Calvary, joyfully. I know we are living a life full of frustrations because we live in a sinful and fallen world. Many people whom we trusted most have mistreated us. And some have let us down instead of loving us. Others have called us names and even looked down on us. We are suffering also from many diseases and no one even has come to cheer us up. But all this should not steal our joy. But in all these circumstances, we need to rejoice in the Lord as Paul is commanded that rejoice in the Lord always and rejoice in the Lord always. Because it's by the Holy Spirit we are able to call God Abba Father. Another point which Paul emphasized here is that they should abound more and more with knowledge and discernment. This implies that the joy of the Spirit compels us to know God more, to study His Word, to pray and take part in a Holy Communion. In another way, to have delight in using the ordinary means of grace. We cannot have knowledge, we cannot have discernment if we neglect the ordinary means of grace. Paul emphasized this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 16 to 17, that holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Paul here says that he is ready to die for the sake of sharing the gospel. And this gives him joy. So the Philippians, the church at Philippi, they should also rejoice in what Paul is passing through. Therefore, let us have joy in the word of God. Let us have joy in sharing the gospel. Let us have joy when we are participating in the activities of this church. Let us have joy when we are supporting ministries. Let us have joy when we are praying for our brothers and even in any capacity which God has given us. Those should give us joy. Those are the effects of the joy which God has given us. Martin Luther says that the faithful rejoice is what sees that the gospel spreads abroad. Many are one to faith and that the kingdom of Christ is Elijah. Brothers, let us look to Christ only, who is the author and the finish of our faith, to be contented 
in him and trust him always. Then our joy will be full. Our joy will be complete and will be able to return it to others by loving them. That is the joy. That is what we need to have. That is what even Christ had as we, as we read in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, says that, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfect of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I repeat, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Christ had joy confessing the cross because he was seeing us. He was seeing you. He was seeing your salvation. And he faced the cross with joy. Joy is the fruit of the Holy Spirit in us. It is based on our work. It is based on our work or outside circumstances. We might be worried and frustrated because of the broken premises, as we have already said, and because of Christ, all those things cannot steal our joy. Christ is the author of our faith, and Christ is the one who is going to finish it. We need to focus on God's promises most of the times. That's the anchor of our joy. And also, we need to cultivate our joy each and every time by ministering the word of God to others, by loving others, by taking part in each and every activity which is taking place in this church. In finishing or in conclusion, I, there are some things or some three points we need to remember when we are cultivating our joy. That the confession we made for our sins and the belief in the gospel is God's making. And by his grace alone, that should be our joy. And that should give you joy. Also, the desire to follow Christ always, to pray, to read his word, and to minister to others is by his spirit given to us as a gift. That should be our joy. That should be your joy. Lastly, we need also to know that Christ in us is the hope of glory. That is our joy. And that should give you joy. Let us know for sure that the source of our joy is Christ Jesus and is given to us as a gift. And the anchor of our joy is Christ's promises. And these promises are sufficient to us. And the effects of our joy is the how we live selfless life, showing love to others and sharing by sharing the gospel. May Almighty God bless us as we live and meditate upon his word in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for the gift of joy you have given us. The joy which is full and strengthened by your promises. Yes, by your word. Help us, O oh God, to cultivate this joy 
by ministering your name to others, by praying for others and supporting your ministry in various ways. May your name be glorified forever and ever. Amen.